Restaurant Unstoppable, episode 158. Are you ready for it factors, success stories, failures, and bombs of restaurant industry knowledge? Then, join Eric Cacciatore and today's incredible guest as they share what it takes to become unstoppable. With excitement, allow me to introduce to you today's guest, Chef Jonathan Sundstrom. Chef, are you feeling unstoppable today? Absolutely. Thank you very much. <laughs> All right. So Chef Jonathan Sundstrom is a graduate of the New England Culinary Institute. He has worked in kitchens all over the country and has traveled the world in pursuit of his culinary and personal purpose. Uh, his accolades suggest he's found that, that purpose as he's been named Best New Chef by Food & Wine uh, magazine and was named Best Chef Northwest by James Beard Foundation in 2007, following nominations in 2005 and 2006. Today, you'll find him serving as chef owner of Lark Restaurant located in Seattle, Washington. And chef, this is just a huge aerial view of who you are uh, and what you're all about. We just scraped the surface. I can't wait to learn more about you. But before we find out you know, your story and we dive into your history, uh, let's get that motivational, inspirational ball rolling with a success quote or mantra what do you have for us today sure well uh one thing that i always tell my young cooks is to work hard and stay focused you know it's really easy to get distracted by so many things in a given day or in your career um you know you kind of have to keep an eye on on what's really important so I love it. One of the acronyms I love, and I, I'm stealing this from John Lee Dumas, who says it all the time in his podcast, Entrepreneur on Fire, but focus, follow one course until success. And what are what do you mean by like some of these distractions? Like, What are some of the distractions you think are most common that can throw us off course? Well, I mean, when you're a young cook, there's, uh, there's so many things in a given day that can, you know, t- derail you. Um, you really have to, I guess, understand what uh, what your chef is looking for, or your culinary instructor, you know, whoever it is you're working with at that point. Really try to um, grasp what they want out of you on a given day, and it might just be, you know, to rock your station and uh, have a great service, and you know, taste everything. You know, there's just you need so many reminders in a given day, and like one of those things is just, you know, you have to taste the food. You know, it's really easy to. Um, I think to just kind of get into an assembly uh, type mentality sometimes when you're a cook because, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's repetitive and there's things you're going to just do over and over and over again. And um, that's that's really a good thing. That's what makes it a deep craft and, and something with a lot of meaning to it. But when you're um, just getting into cooking, sometimes you're like, oh, my God, this is so boring or this is so repetitive or my hands hurt or whatever it is. Um, so you just need to, to remember, you know, that, that there is going to be uh, payoff at the end, uh, you know, of a, of a given day or a given year. So, Awesome. I love it. Great stuff. Great way to start the interview off. So let's find out more about you, Chef. Can you think of a moment uh, going back in time before you were a student at the New England Culinary Institute? Did you just know that this was going to be more than a job for you, more than a summer job or whatever it was? And in in like, when did you know it was going to be your career? Uh, I mean, that, you know, it, it took a little bit of time to define. I mean, it, it definitely was one of those things that I, I did kind of fall into the restaurant business. Um, How did you get and it? Didn't, well, it was an after-school job. I worked at a, at a Japanese restaurant. It was, it was sort of like a Benihana-type restaurant mm-hmm. um, in Salt Lake City where I grew up. And um, 
But it was a, a couple years into it when, you know, the chef there had kind of started to mentor me. And, you know, instead of being a dishwasher, I was a prep cook. And then I was learning how to make tempura. And, you know, inch by inch, they start to add more things mm-hmm. to your list. Um, and he used to take me out to lunch. You know, every couple months we'd go out and we'd check out a restaurant in town. And um, to me, that was really, you know, A, a great reward as a, a young person to have somebody, you know, see see something in you that um, you didn't really know you had. So he definitely saw an affinity or of some talent in me and was willing to nurture that. You know, that was pretty cool. And part of it was just going out to eat, you know. It was, uh, you also, you, you know, you have no money when you're that age. So somebody w- being willing to take you out and kind of show you what it means to have a great meal in a restaurant was really inspiring. And, you know, I think that's, that's something that everyone should remember as they go through their cooking career that, you know, you have to get out there and explore and you have to see what other chefs and restaurants are all about. And that is something you can bring back and, and make your own food better. So. Awesome. I love it. So, I mean, can you, is there a moment though, chef, when you just knew that this was going to be more than a summer job for you? Uh, like, can you bring it down to a time where you just made the decision, you made the commitment to this career? Yeah. Um, Let's see. I had, uh, you know, I had been cooking there for, you know, again, working my way up up the, the ladder there. Um, and uh, I, I guess it was probably a time when um, I had kind of moved beyond, you know, cooking rice every day and chopping mushrooms, you know, by the case. And uh, he he let me um, help him butcher some fish. So we got into it. It was one of the early sushi bars uh, that brought in fresh fish at the time um, in Utah. And you know, I got to help out with, uh, with you know, the prime ingredients because, mm-hmm. um, you know, usually that's something you never get to do until you've, you've got lots of experience. And so just, to, again, being able to take, you know, something like, um, I don't even remember what it was. It might have been like a Thai snapper or something and, and scaling it and uh, butchering it and then slicing it for sashimi. That was, that was probably one of those moments. What was it about this experience that just did it for you? Well, it was... Uh, Again, kind of going back to like somebody having uh, some trust in you and some faith in you that um, that it could go somewhere, and so that was really, yeah, definitely one of those times when I'm like, all right, this this could be the thing for me. I love it. Great stuff. And I love how you just put that stress on that recognition you had. I think that's something we forget to do sometimes in our own restaurants is giving that recognition to the people working underneath us. And that can go so far. Look what it did for you. So I just really wanted to put emphasis on that. So, Chef. If you could like narrow it down to like one or two it factors, habits, characteristics that you possess that you think most contribute to your success, what would they be? Um, I mean, I would say perseverance for one. Um, and, you know, I, I think I'm a pretty good listener. So, you know, especially when you're, you're new to this business, um, you really, it's really easy to get excited about all of the things that are on television now or, or in magazines. And, you know, a lot of times, um, young cooks sort of want to put the, the cart before the horse. And, and the thing is, you really need to just listen and absorb and be a sponge to everything that's around you in, in the restaurant you're at. Um, and then again, you just have to, uh, Keep trying to get your skills better. Really, you know, that's what every chef is looking for in someone in their first five years of cooking, maybe even longer, is just, you know, um, consistency, nice skills, 
being organized, being clean, and that all kind of, to me, ties into perseverance and just sort of head down, getting the job done every day. Awesome. I love it. And, uh, two, so th- just to summarize, you get that perseverance, you're a great listener, and you're always you know, sharpening that blade, uh, improving, uh, and just trying to get better. And it's funny. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's so much to learn. I mean, you know, in, in any one lifetime, none of us are going to learn it all. And, uh, and also, you know, with, with the speed that food is changing right now as well with technology and new techniques, and there's, there's a you know, really an endless pool for for us all to learn from. And, and even oh, yeah. someone like me who's been cook, cooking for 30 years, you know, it's like, it's almost like starting over when you think about new techniques and, and just the possibilities right now. So I know it's crazy. Always, always be learning. Yeah. I just, I just wanted to point out, I love how you said, you know, listening and sharpening, you know, that blade and always improving and learning because uh, I don't know if you're familiar with Stephen R. Covey's book, seven habits, of highly effective people. Uh, but those mm-hmm. are two of the, the seven habits is listening first, you know, seek to understand and then be understood. Uh, and then sure. there's the sharpen the saw. And I think, you know, how important is it just to listen and to understand other people before trying to be understood. Yeah, oh, I mean, it's it's incredibly important. And you know, one one thing that that I'll see, you know, after after so many years of, of having lots of people come through my kitchen and having done it myself, you sort of see, um, you know, people reach these little stages. And, and again, those first few years, you really should just keep your mouth shut and listen, and, mm. and you know, open your mouth to ask questions. But um, you don't want to assume you know everything, um, but there'll be a, a time when, when you start to get a little bit cocky and you're, you're like, all right, I got this, and, you know, I can rock the line, and, you know, I know how to um, put a good crispy skin on a piece of salmon or something. And, or, but, but then it's, it's easy to kind of close your mind to what, new pe- you know, what, what people are putting out in front of you. So just really you got to keep those ears open, and you can learn something from everybody even if you have um, – Good experience under your belt. Mm-hmm. And I, I um, was making my notes when I was researching. You know, one of the things I wrote down for potential if factors is that experience that you have. I mean, you worked in so many restaurants underneath so many incredible p- chefs and uh, just restaurant professionals. How much of that experience, just listening to all these incredible people, do you think really influenced your success? Uh, I mean, it, it certainly did. I mean, um, you know, when, uh, like, I got to Seattle, it took me a couple of years, but I finally got to work for Tom Douglas, who is, you know, one of the leading restaurateurs in Seattle. And, um, you know, I would say some of the lessons I took away from working for him really have to do with, you know, just sitting around after work having a, a beer or something and him kind of maybe expanding on why his businesses are successful or how he runs things. And, you know, those weren't the kind of things that he would sit down and, and just uh, – teach you about you had to kind of be there on the sideline to absorb so you know there's there's always something uh when you get a chance to um you know hang out with your uh, your boss or your chef uh, that you can you can absorb hopefully yeah i totally agree and that's exactly why this podcast exists so i'm happy that you pointed that out and the last thing i want to point out before we move on chef is your sense of purpose um it sounds like you really search for it and you you mentioned your quote, you know, work hard and stay focused. How much mm-hmm. of your sense of purpose, how focused were you? Like, did you have a goal? Did you have a vision? I mean, finding that sense of purpose, how important was that? Sure, sure. Well, I mean, it, it was it was came in different stages. And, and again, um, early on, we talk about, you know, before going to culinary school. And I just, you know, again, I, I felt um, strongly that I really 
liked what I was learning and seeing, and food was really exciting and interesting. Um, again, I had uh, had an early mentor who nurtured some of that and encouraged me. And then, you know, going to Necky, um, and then the first few years after that, um, it was really just about trying to get better at, at all of those those stations on the line. Or, you know, I worked in a hotel kitchen for a couple different times, and you know, you just have so many different avenues you can pursue and and you know, learn about. Um, so there's sort of that stage. And then, um, so that was my purpose is just to become a better cook, you know, be faster, be more efficient, um, you know, be a better useful person for the team, I guess. Um, and then later on, um, as, uh, you know, when I was at Dahlia Lounge, it was my first chef de cuisine position. And that was when it was like, okay, now I've got the whole team looking at me to provide good leadership and provide good ideas. And how do you, you know, start figuring that out and encouraging, um, you know, a good team. And, you know, I did okay. I was, it was definitely a learning as you go kind of situation. And, um, probably not until my next job at, uh, the W Hotel Earth and Ocean, uh, when I really had to put kind of all my ideas and thoughts about food in front of a big group, all, you know, looking at you closely and expecting a lot. Did it really, you know, that was really when I was like, okay, this is how I'm going to do it. And, um, and, and try to do it with purpose. So mm, I love it. And you, you keep talking a lot about how you, um, you know, you just listen. And I try to get a story out of my guest uh, during this part of the interview. Can you think of a time where your ability to listen and just observe? Uh, I mean, is there a lesson that really stands out to you from one of these great mentors you had um, that you think you might have missed? Uh, specifically, if you didn't have this skill, can you bring us to a moment where you just really picked up on just like, an amazing skill that's just worth sharing right now? Sure, sure. I think probably there was a time um, at the uh, – I worked at the Ritz-Carlton down in Laguna Miguel for about a year and um, very talented group. And you know, it was a big kitchen, so it was really easy to get lost in there um, amongst a lot of people. But um, I had a chance to work uh, in their fine dining restaurant, and I think it was just called the dining room. But it was a place where – you know, there was sort of Michelin quality happening on the table. I mean, you know, we had we had our own dish crew, and you know, all of, all this special china and you know, silver pots for everything. And um, there was uh, the saucier station. Uh, you basically, you know, would work it, and you had this whole set of copper pots, and all the sauces were all minute. And that was a time when you know, you really you didn't advance to the next station until you really knew what you were going to be doing. So you always had to be watching ahead of you um, on the line. So I can't think I was working the the veg station or something, and, and the next spot was going to be Saucier. But uh, you you had to kind of learn it um, before they would give you a chance to do it. You know, you're kind of waiting for someone to be sick or <laughs> something to go wrong uh, for your chance to, to jump onto that next station. So um, I, I can remember just, you know, for several weeks just kind of watching what this this person ahead of me on the line was doing and really trying to figure out and learn Mm. um, everything about those dishes so that when, you know, something happened and that guy had to replace the sous chef for the night, uh, that it was sort of like everyone moves up the ladder one rung, and I could say with confidence, like, yes, I know know how to do this, chef, and, you know, you know, please taste everything I make, but I, I definitely feel like I know the pattern. So that mm. was a pretty cool experience. That's awesome. Just paying attention. I think that's another one of, one of those seven habits uh, that Stephen R. Covey shares is just being proactive and not waiting mm-hmm. to be put into a situation, but to know 
you know, to be ahead of where you're going and to project where yeah. you want to be and to prepare yourself. That's, that's definitely, that's one of the things we try to really instill with, with everyone who comes to my kitchen at this point is that, um, you know, you have to be hungry for that next, you know, that next chance um, on the line or in the kitchen and the way to, you know, the way to be acknowledged and the way, the way to, you know, to move up that, uh, move up is that, you know, we need to be able to see that you're, you're ready and you can do it. Um, yeah. you know, we need to see you're taking some initiative. You're not just waiting for us to, you know, wave a magic wand and say, okay, you're moving up. It's, yeah. um, it's really gotta be self-driven. And, um, so again, we try to really just teach people that from the very minute they get in the kitchen, you know, even if they're starting as a, a prep cook or a dishwasher, it's like, hey, if you would like to, you know, move up and take advantage of um, the great training you have here and, you know, the ability to increase your wages and all those things, um, it's got to be self-motivated. And, you know, you really just, you got to keep, you know, nail your, you know, your starting uh, list or tasks and then just say, what's next? What more? What else can I do? Show me how to do this. And, and that's, that's really definitely part of our culture. Chef Sundstrom, I just need to like put a pause here and just like talk to the folks mm-hmm. at home. Like, Take a moment if you're listening to this and think, what's going on in my life? Like, where do I want to be? What can I do right now to be proactive to learn that next step? So when the time comes, I'll knock it out of the park. I mean, that's just such a valuable lesson that we yeah, you shared with us just then. And yeah. I really want to put emphasis on that. Thank you, Chef. Sure. So the sure. ne- Absolutely. Yeah. The next question I have for you, Chef, is on the topic of a failure. We learned about your if factors. We learned about how these if factors have affected you and helped you get to that next level in your life. But I think we learned moats from those times where we failed and we just Mm -hmm. you know fell hard on our ass but we get back up and we learn something from that failure so is there a a failure that you can think of where you just fell hard and tell us us through that failure sure well i mean it's um it was it was i guess one of those situations where uh you know i i had a a good job and thought I was doing a great job. And, and, um, but there was a point when, you know, my, uh, the owner sat down with me and said, Hey, we're going to be making some changes here. And, you know, we think that you've kind of run your course, you know, it's, uh, we don't see that there's more that you can do here. And so, and that affected me really, you know, that was tough. I was like, cause I really didn't see it, you know, I, but again, I think I had been part of the, part of the system for so long that I thought I was doing everything they asked. But, um, so I ended up moving on from that job, but what it did is it really, um, because it sort of shook me up, um, it really, it really made me think about, okay, what do I want? And so, um, you know, I ended up doing some traveling, um, right after that, uh, just to kind of broaden my, you know, experience. Chef, do you think um, we can pause one and, second? Because I'm curious. Sure. Like, what was it that you said you you ran your course, but were you missing something? Were you coming up short somewhere, or was there just well, no again, room I for think, you to grow? Um, it, it was one of those. Uh, no, I think it was a. It was a. You know, one of my early management opportunities, I would say. And um, you know, again, I had kind of grown up in that that kitchen, and uh, it. So, so you know, you're, you're almost too close sometimes to see things clearly or, mm. or objectively. And so um, it was one of the things where, you know, it all seemed fine to me. But And I don't think there were problems, but it was more, you know, that organization was thinking about their future and, you know, how they were going to change. And, you know, so I might not have been privy to all the things going on uh, underneath, but um, it, it did end up 
being a great opportunity for me to kind of jumpstart. You know, I'd been cooking for 10 years already, and it was um, it, I, I basically left town. I staged in New York. I staged in San Francisco, and, and it really, I think, what I decided is that I needed to raise the bar in terms of, you know, what excellence is. And, you know, so it was a, a great chance for me to just um, kind of take take a step um to back or to the side, you know, however you want to look at it, and just uh, look at what I can do to, you wow. know, improve my game as a chef. <laughs> so it was, you know, again, it was uh, it was a bummer at first, but then within about a week, I was like, you know what, this is a great chance for me. You know, you're never going to be able to take uh, a big chunk of time off and just um, decide what your next move is. You know, usually yeah. you just go from job to job. It's really hard to for for cooks to, you know, take a big uh, a good sized chunk to just evaluate where they're at. So it was, uh, it ended up being, you know, a great lesson for me. And, you know, again, I think if I was at a plateau in my abilities and I, I ended up taking a major step up just because I was able to <laughs> just go see what the, what the, you know, what, what my, I guess people that I admire in the industry were doing. So it was cool. I love it. I love what you said there. You said, what can I do? I mean, what did I do wrong? What can I do to, to make it right? So many people, when they're put in circumstances where something doesn't go right or things aren't going according to plan, they just turn around and they just automatically start pointing their fingers at other people saying, this is what you did wrong. This is, they blame outside factors. But what sure, you did sure. is you took ownership and you said, what could I learn from this experience? What can I do to change? How can I challenge myself and step it up to get myself to that next right. level? And I think that right. is great to just take that ownership and to not, you know, soak in your, your problems, but to look to the future and to be proactive like you are. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and, and, and really, if you look at a lot of situations in life, that might be the case. You know, there's sometimes things happen you just don't have any control over, but, um, most of the time, you can find you can find something uh, to it if you, if you you know you dig deep enough. So, mm, awesome stuff. So we have crushed through the first half of this interview, Chef. You're killing it on uh, just dropping all these great stories and wisdom on us. Uh, we are going to jump into the second half of this interview, where you're just going to blow us away with little bombs of knowledge. It's a speed round. Are you ready for this? Uh, I guess we'll see. All right, let's do it. The first question I have for you, Chef, is what is your advice for getting that initial capital to get started in your restaurant? I would say, you know, uh, you got to have some savings in the bank uh, or you have, or maybe some family that can back you up because, you know, even if you have built a name up for yourself and or a reputation in your market, most um, – most anyone who's going to want to invest in you uh, is going to want to see you with some stake in the game. So, you know, even if it's like I need 50 grand to open up a little teeny, you know, pop-up or a food truck, um, you probably should have 10 grand yourself. You know, if you have 20%, um, that's going to mean a lot to anyone else you might want to put some money in. Um, and it also mean a lot to a bank if you end up going that route. So you gotta you got to have something saved yourself just because people want to know that you're – you're committed, um, and uh, the risk isn't all on them. Yeah, and you know, some people when when, when they say stake in the game, they instantly go to money, uh, monetary like equity. But you also put a lot of you know sweat equity into your career. And I think that's another oh, yeah, way absolutely. we can look at it. Yeah, absolutely, and and that may very well be what uh, what you have to to do. And you know, if you um, if you can find someone to to back you, and you know, you're you're credible, then it's 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 
can be can work out great. Yeah, and, and um, if I remember, if I recall, you were nominated in 2007 for your Beard Award, and you opened mm-hmm. uh, your restaurant right after. Was it? Uh, you know, we we opened Lark in 2003. Oh, 2003. I'm sorry. Yeah, and uh, so you know, again, um, had already made some some steps. You know, food and wine had happened, and you know, so I, I think the way I look at those types of um, you know, awards and acknowledgements is, you know, it's a door opening that had been shut and, mm-hmm. you know, it's going to create opportunities and you're going to have the ability to, you know, people are going to look at you really close, but it, it doesn't last forever. So you, yeah. you do have to um, um, make some moves and do the right thing and try to take advantage of opportunities yeah. when they come up. So. And I apologize. It was the wine, it was oh, the wine okay. mag- food and wine magazine um, where you, in 2001, yeah. but the point I was going to try to make was, you know, you, you, got that sweat equity you got that experience and when you have that experience you just focus on being awesome you don't shoot for the stars right away and try to open your own place but you get that experience and you just build sure, this you sure. know, rep- well and, and exactly you can you could not be the owner but you can still bring a lot to uh, a program or a restaurant and and um and and for some people that's the right fit you know there's yeah. again there's a lot of risk and there's a lot of you know, if if someone's already got a family and they've got bigger life things going on, you know, it might be the right fit to stay with a hotel group or with a restaurant group and um, know that there's some security because at some point, you know, it's not about you. But um, but you know, when it's when you know the time is right, you you have to act. So mm, awesome, great stuff. What advice do you have on hiring good people? Well, I would say you know, I mean, this again, the food industry and the business is uh, busier than ever. There's more more restaurants than ever um you know we certainly try to look at uh people who have a great resume i mean if they've got a a couple of national level quality restaurants on their resume that's going to be very attractive you know we we all i think all the chefs uh pay attention to what's going on in other cities and then and try to know who who's who and um who's on top of their game um even if they've never been to those places uh so that helps a lot um you know, so we'll certainly look for that those kind of uh, really credible restaurants that people have that experience. So, but you know, again, it's there's. Well, I was going to say the other half of that is there. It's there are so many places opening. Sometimes you don't always get to see those. You might mm-hmm. be starting with really young people or young to the business uh, people. So, I mean, we we try to really hire for the person mm-hmm. and look for a lot of those qualities that we've been talking about throughout the show. You know, someone who has a lot of integrity, who looks, you know, like they're going to work really hard, who um, shows great interest in exactly what we do. Um, and, and as long as there's room in our organization at that level, um, we try to hire for the person and for their potential um, and know that, you know, if we can keep somebody with us for, you know, two to four years, they're going to turn out to be a great cook once they've, they've had time in our kitchen. And, Chef, what questions are you asking to find out if they have these qualities? Um, I mean, things like, you know, um, what their, what their work ethic is like, or we try to, we try to, you know, assess that, um, you know, if you, if it means you're talking to someone who is brand new to cooking, but they, you know, ran their own yard care company for years as a teenager or, um, have been through the military and are looking to read, you know, reinvent themselves. We try to look for people who have already can show that they know what hard work is um, because, you know, food is very glamorous these days and being a chef. So, you know, um, 
a lot of what the media puts out there makes it seem like it's very easy. And, you know, we need to just make sure people know that this is a, it's a hard business. Absolutely. You know, you're on your feet all day. You're going to get cut. You're going to get burned. You're not going to be home um, on the weekend to go out with your friends. You know, there's, there's a lot of sacrifices that you make. So um, we just try to make sure that people really understand what, what they're getting into. So when you find these good people who meet those qualities you're looking for, who are willing to make those sacrifices, like you just said, what do you do to keep them on your team, Chef? Well, we try to, you know, again, everyone comes in at, at different levels um, in general, but what we try to do is um, make it a commitment. You know, they're committing to make our restaurant better and to uphold our standard and do all the things that, that we're doing to be a great restaurant. So to me, the the reciprocation for that is um, that we're going to help them become better cooks or we're going to help them maybe take the next step in their career. You know, if somebody's been line cooking for five, six, seven years and they um, haven't quite made the step into, you know, maybe a sous chef or a leadership position, but they really want that, uh, or if they've never had a chance to express their creativity and we, you know, we have an, the ability to, you know, nurture that, we'll try to do it. But, you know, to me, it's, we try to find a way to take them to the next level. So, you know, if I have uh, cooks who come through my kitchen and they feel like they've, you know, seen what they want to see in Seattle and they're still young enough and don't have a lot of ties, I'm like, you know, go off to San Francisco, let's find you a job or go to Europe, you know, go, go where, wherever it is that inspires you. And, um, go do your thing for a few years. Maybe you'll come back and we'll, we'll you know, connect again. But to me, it's um, that's part of it is they're helping me to further my mission, and it's my job to help them uh, progress. I love it, Chef, that you mentioned that, helping them get to the next level. And that's one of the things, one of the biggest lessons I learned in these interviews is I was so surprised to learn that the really successful people in this industry almost push good people out of their restaurants when they have gotten to yeah. where like you're you've i've taught you everything i know like you have potential go to the next level and get there when you help people like that and you help make them you help give them those connections and get to the next level it always mm-hmm. comes around to serve you yeah i i agree completely i mean you know what would you rather have? i mean you know as a business owner we'd all love to have our our people around forever but that's just not realistic and you know you're going to have somebody who is stifled or not challenged anymore, um, you know, linger around, eventually that's going to turn out negatively better to, you know, help them on their way and and realize that, you know, if we can keep people around for, like I said, two to four years is our, is our goal for most cooks. um, Then that's fantastic. I mean, you know, the, the going uh, time in in the restaurant business is often, you know, a year (laughs) if you're lucky. So, um, if we can keep keep around for a couple of years, then we feel like we really succeeded. So. Awesome, and I and I have to ask, how often do you take your your guys out to lunch? Uh, we try to do it every couple of months. I mean, you know, there's uh, I don't stay out as late as I used to, but you know, of course, there's the after work culture where yeah. you know people might go find happy hour somewhere, and I try to join for that. At, a few times a year, but I, I, I like, I like the idea of, yeah, I'll take, uh, take my sous chefs out certainly pretty often, but we'll take the whole crew out for dim sum or we'll go hit the taco truck and just nice. have some time together outside of work. So awesome. Great stuff. So chef, what's one resource, a book or maybe a magazine uh, that really influenced you that you read, or maybe it's a website that you mm-hmm. just have to like recommend to our listeners right now. They're serious. Sure. Listeners. Sure. Well, I mean, you know, again, it's 
years ago is when uh, the Becoming a Chef uh, book came out, the Dornenberger page, and those two are wonderful authors, and they, they have a lot of great books out there. But I can remember when um, that book came out, and, you know, I had gone through culinary school and, and had already worked in a few kitchens at that point, but I felt like that book was really um, a great starting point, and I actually recommend it, you know, all the time still to people who were, you know, they're thinking about going to cooking school or they're thinking about getting into restaurants. I'm like, well, hey, go pick up this book and read about it and just kind of study what this life, you know, can be like, um, pro and con, so you get a real good representation. Like, I think that's excellent. The um, One of the other ones from those guys, the culinary artistry, also just a really you know, thoughtful book on, um, you know, starting to come up with menus and trying to find a way to be creative in a thoughtful way. You know, every, every cook in their career reaches a point where it's like, well, okay, now you're a sous chef, you're responsible for daily specials, or, you know, we, you need to contribute to the menu now or, or whatever it is. And that's, um, if you've never had a, any chance to do that, that's a really good guide. Um, but I think, you know, you, everyone should always be, you know, reading industry magazines, uh, whether they're geared toward the consumers like Bon Appetit and Food and Wine or um, something like Lucky Peach, which is sort of in between, um, mm-hmm. you know, things like uh, Art Culinaire and, you know, the real, um, uh, really high-quality uh, magazines that are really devoted to food are great for, for young cooks. You know, there's a lot of techniques in there. You can learn a lot of just ideas that you want to, you know, again, you want to absorb some Awesome. Great resources. And from that book, Becoming a Chef, what is the biggest lesson you got out of that book? Knowing that it's okay to take your time um, and, and be thorough in, uh, in each step, I think, is, uh, is one of the biggest things I learned from it. You know, just, just really let culinary school be what it's going to be for you. You know, you want to try to get everything out of it that you can, but just let it unfold. You know, your first few jobs... Again, just really try to absorb everything. You know, get into the best place you can, even if it's for the lowest pay or no pay, because, um, you know, each move you're building your resume. And, and um, you know, eventually people start really paying attention to the quality of restaurant that you have worked in. So, mm. you know, I'd much rather have, a, you know, a stage, someone who spent six months for free at Alinea or Noma or Danielle than someone who was a sous chef at 23 in restaurants I've never heard of, you know? So. Mm-hmm. Awesome stuff. I love it. So if you could just give us one piece of advice on the best, most effective way to market yourself, what would it be? Um, I mean, you know, there's uh, social media is, is here to stay. And, uh, you know, it's really um, – if you're if you're in a position as a, a chef or a young cook to, you know, start doing some things either on your own or on the side that don't, you know, conflict with the restaurant you're at, um, you know, just having an Instagram account and following other restaurants or chefs that, you know, you admire, um, some point you might, you know, that might start leading to something. Um, you know, certainly when you uh, are running a restaurant, whether you own it or just work for somebody, there's going to be times when you, you know, you need to be out there in uh, interacting with the public. So, you know, learning how to be comfortable behind a, uh, a small stage doing a cooking demo, um, that takes some practice. But, you know, you, you got to learn to be a little bit um, accessible and, and media savvy. You know, years ago when I started cooking, you know, cooks were all basically still behind the scenes and in the kitchen. And, you know, it was where the misfits went because they, they couldn't handle <laughs> being out in front of people. But, but now, you know, 
um, we've got a great platform and an opportunity to, you know, tell great stories and, and that all can lead to, you know, personal success. So, but yeah. you got to learn how to, how to deal with, you know, deal with some of those media things and be yeah. able to, you know, be responsive. If someone sends you an email for a recipe request, you know, take it seriously and get right on it. You know, people remember that kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. And I uh, think I just interviewed Lisa Schroeder of Mother's Bistro and Bar uh, not mm-hmm. too long ago. And she said, I just say yes. You never know. Yep. Where yep. just say yes. And uh, I think that's kind of what I'm hearing from you and get that practice. Yeah. And you're killing it right now, man. You've got those skills because yeah. you're being a great guest right now. Yeah, well, good, good. <laughs> well, and, you know, also, you know, be part of your community. I mean, yeah. you know, most, most every city has lots of charities that have events or, you know, have fundraisers and, and they do come to restaurants to, you know, get auction packages or to participate. And, you know, those type of things often don't pay you anything, but um, it is a great way to get some exposure. And, and, and also, you know, the people who, who run those things are probably the, the, you know, the influential people in, in your city and, and they're going to remember you. So. Yes. I love it. Awesome. So you kind of mentioned this a little bit earlier, how you've got to be paying attention to the new technologies and it's changing so fast today. It's so hard to keep up on all the things that are changing, how you can improve. So on the spinoff of what you said earlier, are there any technologies that you're using in your restaurant front of house or back of house that you've recently adopted that are just making a huge impact in your efficiency, your uh, operations, your profitability, any one of those things that you would like to share with us today? Uh, you know, none of them that we use are, I, you know, I would say are, are groundbreaking. I mean, certainly, um, you know, tablets are something that are making life so much easier, you know, these days. I mean, we, we run our, um, our reservation system off of uh, an iPad, you what, know. Are there any know, specific I, I, apps you're, you're talking about? Um, you know, well, well, you know, right now we, we used to do, um, uh, Urban Spoon was was like our our um, system, but now they've they've been acquired by Open Table. So, you know, it's just more that you used to have to have so many clunky pieces of equipment around the the restaurant, and now almost everything can be run off of you know your mobile phone. Yeah, <laughs> and I would say as a chef, you know, having a good smartphone, you know, is is really you have everything you need at, at your fingertips. You know, we, we we deal with our vendors by email, by text, by phone calls. You know, there's just such an array of, you know, ways that you need to contact people or that, that you want to interact with them. Um, just, uh, you know, the phone is still probably king. Yeah. I mean, can you be a little more specific in some of these apps that you're leveraging using a, a tablet? I mean, there's just so much stuff out there. Um, I'm just curious. To well, see one exactly one thing that's uh, one, I guess one thing that's probably we're going to start using soon. Um, there are a couple of different, um, you know, mobile valet uh, sites. One is called Zerks, and then there's another one that um, is launching here in Seattle. And you know, we live in a, a dense part of um, town that's growing like crazy. So you know, there's no parking. Um, so. You know, that's one thing we've been hearing from our guests is, you know, where we park, where we park. And so um, we've looked into traditional valet service, but, you know, that can be really expensive to, you know, spend 500 bucks for one night. And you're kind of gambling whether all those guests will actually use the service. Um, but these, uh, there's a couple of new, yeah, like I said, apps where we can just point our guests to that app and they um, then they can 
can interact with uh, with the service. So, mm. you know, essentially there, there'll be valet parking, you know, available to our guests, uh, but we don't have to be the one to manage it. So yeah. that's pretty cool. I think, you know, it's something I just want to point out. I think Danny Meyer said it best when in his book, Setting the Table. He talks about when he started to adopt uh, Open Table. And he, at first he didn't want to, you know, do it. But then he started thinking to himself, some of the people that come to my restaurant want these things uh, to be more, you know, to accommodate their lifestyle. And it's my job yep. as the restaurant owner to accommodate the needs of my guests, to be hospitable. Yep. Yep. And that's exactly. how I see it. And uh, there's so many ways we can just make the lives of our guests, the lives of our guests so much more efficient by yeah. implementing yeah. these systems for them. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I would say uh, we've become, tried to be more proactive as we've, grown and matured as a restaurant you know we we were in our uh, smaller location up until last year and um you know we we were definitely uh the first couple years just trying to run things our way but over time slowly tried to you know we tried to listen and try to you know make it make adjustments um, based on what our customers want you know Mm. and we stayed really true to you know authenticity and you know, honest food and 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 great ingredients and all of those things. But um, as a as a restaurant as a whole, we've definitely we've made some changes and done some things, and I think it's all for the better. And it definitely has made uh, made our guests happy. So awesome, I love it. So, Chef, you've been great. Uh, we're wrapping up real soon. I mean, if you could go back in time, Chef, and just give yourself one piece of business advice. Maybe you just graduated the Culinary Institute of, or the New England Culinary Institute. And um, mm-hmm. if you could give that past version of yourself one piece of advice, what would it be? Uh, I would say start start your travels now or, or, or start, you know, challenge yourself early on um, because, you know, life happens too. And, you know, um, I, I never really went and staged in Europe or started traveling overseas until – you know, probably 10 years out of culinary school. And, and it was, you know, a little bit to do with financial stuff. And um, and also, you know, again, I, I was working my way up um, the ver- through the various kitchens. And, you know, it was great to be promoted and to get more responsibility. But what what happens is then you, you end up being a little bit more tied down. Mm. And um, so I think that, you know, I really just stress this with, with, you know, young people who come to the kitchen. It's like before you have a lot of other you know, of these bigger life things that come along, which are amazing and are going to, you know, make you a well-rounded person, you know, take advantage of the the time you have. It's like, you should go travel. You know, if you, you know, you come from a small town and you've worked your way through the restaurants that are available to you, you know, go see something else. And, you know, you can always come back. Maybe you'll be the, the person that, you know, brings the beer to ward back to little town, Montana or whatever. And, um, uh, but you, you should get out there and see the world and, and just see what people are doing. And that's, it's going to make you a better chef and a better cook. So, would you you suggest know, don't people, be afraid. Would you suggest people do that before going to college? Um, I think, no, I, I, I would say in general, you know, your twenties is a great time, you know, mm. as most people, you know, at some point in their late twenties or early thirties, they're going to find someone to connect with, and 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 then you know the domino starts toppling. You know, mm-hmm. once people uh, if they get married or they buy a house or they start having a family, then other priorities are going to come into play, and you know um, it's just going to be that much harder to you know to take off to do a six month stage somewhere. You know, it's like um, 
do it while you're pretty free and loose and, um, you know, save the money or go live for cheap or whatever it is you need to do. But those experiences will really, you know, serve, serve well um, down the road. So. Awesome. I love so that's it. That's what I would tell myself. Those are all the questions I had for you, Chef. Is, is there one question I could have asked you that you think would have brought more value to this interview? Uh, no, you've been a great, uh, great interview. It's been, you know, I think you drew out a lot of good stuff and made me think about some things. And, yeah, no, it's been great. It's been fantastic. Well, thank you very much, Chef. Those are all the questions. Um, we wrap up every episode by having you call somebody out. Who's one indie restaurant professional you admire and think would just make a great guest mentor on the show like you have today? Uh, let me think here. Um, you know, uh, I'm not sure who, who all you've had on the show, but, uh, I mean, there's there's kind of two, you know, someone who's who's quite well-known, but who, you know, every time I hear him talk or read something, he seems like he's always got great things to say. I mean, Sean Brock seems really like uh, someone who's found his path, and, you know, um, again, he's he's – really well known and well respected but um also just going deeper and deeper into you know an authentic southern cuisine um someone on the west coast uh there's some people i used to work with uh years ago with tom douglas um is uh dusky espes and john stewart they um own black pig meat company they're in uh, sonoma county and, and also a couple of restaurants those are just they're great people they've seen a lot of different sides of this business um and they're they're really successful and uh just i think doing really really nice work so so that was sean brock uh dusky and uh john stewart dusky and john um yeah it's, it's dusky estes and john stewart they're husband and wife but they've got different last names okay um, and then they're they're uh they've got a restaurant called zazu and then uh black pig meat company um both down in uh Healdsburg. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for calling those guys out. I'm pumped. I hope I can get them on the show. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, just give the folks at home uh, some information. Maybe they want to come work for you. How can we connect if you've inspired some people, if they want to come work for a great guy like you out in Seattle? Uh, well, uh, you know, easy enough to send resumes to the restaurants. Uh, you know, info at Lark Seattle is, is the things all go to there, and then they'll get forwarded to me. Um you know, I think uh, it's when people show initiative to come visit a place and set up some stages, like, you know, I, I think you know, it's, there's nothing wrong with planning well. I mean, if you're like, hey, I'm going to move move here in four months, but I'm going to be in town next week, I'd love to come spend a day at your restaurant. To me, that shows a lot of courage and initiative, and, um, you know, we tend to remember those people. So if, if someone shows up a few months down the road, then, you know, they've already um, earned, earned a little bit of uh, – um, credibility i guess so um yeah so I think awesome that's it. thank you so much chef uh you've been an incredible guest i'm so grateful to have had this opportunity to interview you to gather your advice and stories and knowledge there is no questioning you are unstoppable oh that's very nice thank you very much <laughs> cheers another episode wrapped up here at restaurant unstoppable i hope you guys enjoyed it chef jonathan sunstrom man you killed it such awesome advice thank you so much and uh if you want to check out everything we talked about a recap of today's conversation uh and the links to the products services and books we talked about on the show head over to restaurantunstoppablecom slash jonathan sunstrom you'll find all the links right there 
If you enjoyed this episode and you want more episodes just like it, shoot me an email Eric at restaurantsunstoppable.com. That's Eric with a C. And show me and tell me who you want to have on this show. Who's a mentor in your community? Who's the restaurateur that everyone's talking about where you're from? And we'll get them on the show to, to learn and to add them to this melting pot of mentors. And don't forget to check out restaurantunstoppable.com slash books and tools to see a complete list of all the past books our guests have recommended, the books you can read to be a little bit more unstoppable in your business, and for all the tools that they're leveraging to make their businesses run just a little bit more effectively and efficiently. It's all right there. That's why I'm doing this, guys, to funnel this information to you to make your life a little bit easier and to give you that knowledge you need to be successful. So that's all I have for today. Until next time, peace out.